Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in Ezekiel chapter 28. And I'm going to read two verses here today and ask the Lord to... Uh, to touch all of us in this place. It feels good to be in church. My goodness, it feels good to be in church. I've said many times, a church alive is worth the drive. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse number 13. Admittedly, I'm going to just be diving into the middle of a story. And so if these two verses don't make sense right off, if you'll give me a couple hours or so. I'm teasing. If you'll give us a little time here today, we'll try to make sense of this with the help of the Lord. Ezekiel 28 and 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Verse 14, the Bible says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. That is a key phrase to what we're going to be talking about today. Thou art the anointed cherub, the cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. And from these two verses, with your help and the help of the Lord, my subject today is a God that's made known. A God that's made known. Amen. Lord, I love you. Thank you for the privilege to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word one more time. Thank you for this wonderful congregation, this body of believers, our worship, our praise to this point has prepared our heart and hopefully our minds to receive the word. And we pray that that word will take root and that there will be hope found because it is your written word in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. And you can be seated when you are reading the 28th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. Um, even if we were to have started at verse 12. Ezekiel begins this lamentation in verse 12, and he seemingly is addressing the king of Tyre, T-Y-R-E. However, as you continue to read this passage, you can sense that there is a shift in exactly who Ezekiel or the Lord through Ezekiel is addressing. And so as you read, you get the impression that that this king that Ezekiel is talking about is much more than a human. Some liken this description to Satan or to the spirit of the Antichrist. And so it is from that frame, it is from that lens, I would like for us to consider 
what we are talking about here this morning. Because I believe that the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and he wants to control not only nations but their leaders. And, and I believe this is not something, again, that is just relegated to the king of Tyre or something that is in the Bible that is locked away there. But I believe in this very hour, the spirit of the Antichrist wants to control what's going on in our world. That agenda is made clear from many, many passages of Scripture. For instance, Matthew chapter 4 if we were to begin reading in verse 8 through 10, we read where Satan tried to tempt Jesus by taking him to a high pinnacle. And from that high pinnacle, that exceeding high mountain is what the scripture says. And the, the Bible says that he took him there to show him all the kingdoms of the world. And so when we look at our text in verse number 14, and we consider the use of the word cherub, that is not an arbitrary use of that word, but the word cherub there suggests that we're dealing with an angelic creature or a spiritual creature. And so in that same, in that same verse, the Bible states that he had been upon this holy mountain with God. Whoever the Lord through Ezekiel is addressing had been on the holy mountain with God. And so we know from our study of scripture that Satan began as an obedient angel, but he rebelled against God and he led a revolt against the security of God's throne and took with him one third of the angels. And you can find that in your Bible. The text describes his extraordinary beauty and, and then names some nine jewels that were a part of that beauty. And ironically, I, I don't think it's irony, perhaps that was a bad word, but these jewels are also found in the breastplate of the Jewish high priest. So it all, it, this all suggests that what we're talking about is a being that would function or operate in a priestly, in a priestly manner. And so as Ezekiel is addressing the king of Tyrus, the Lord reveals some things to Ezekiel about this regarding not just the king of Tyre, but regarding the creation of an angel by the name of Lucifer. And so I'm going somewhere, if you'll just stay with me for a moment here. We can see that Lucifer was anointed to be a cherub that covereth. That's what the passage of scripture said. You were anointed a cherub that covereth. Verse 14 also says that he was on the holy mountain of God and he walked upon the stones of fire. Now, these references are made to the heavenly temple, but Moses made a tabernacle on earth that was from plans that God had given him directly. This is not the idea of Moses. This was not some plan that he set forth, but he was just following the plan of God. And that earthly tabernacle became a pattern, or it was a pattern rather, of the earth of the heavenly tabernacle. So the throne of God on earth, in the throne of God on earth, there was the mercy seat. And on the top of that mercy seat, on the top of that Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat, excuse me. And that mercy seat had two cherubs. If you've seen uh, renderings or pictures of the Ark of the Covenant, you will note that on top of that mercy seat, those two cherubs whose wings stretched forth over it, and the Bible says that their wings, the wings touched wings. There was a covering, a full covering of the wings of those cherubs over the Ark of the Covenant. So if you will, bear with me now. Amen. The Bible talks about Lucifer being that cherub that covereth. 
Amen. So that was Lucifer's job in heaven. Lucifer was anointed as a covering cherub over the throne of God. In Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse number 15, the Bible says, Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created until iniquity was found in you. And so you were this covering cherub. You had walked on the mountain with God. There is a sense of perfection. He meant perfect in the ways from the day that thou was created until iniquity found its way into the heart of Lucifer. And of course we know that Satan fell from his position and he lost that anointing because of his, uh, because of his rebellion against the pr- power and the presence of God and the will of God. But what I want to remind us of this morning is simply this. Amen. That Satan or Lucifer was created to be a covering cherub and he is still doing what he was designed to do and that is to operate in the function of a covering cherub. Now to be sure, I don't want to miss anybody to misunderstand me. He is no longer ministering before the Lord and he is no longer covering the throne of God. That is not my suggestion, but he is still a covering cherub and he's working overtime, doing everything within his power in the day that you and I are living to cover everything he can about the power and the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. He is the God of this world who is desperately trying to blind the eyes and the minds of men. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom, the Bible says, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Here's why. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. And so this is not about the song we sing. It's not about the tempo of the song we sing. It's not about the key of the song, uh, the key that we sing the song in. It's not really about who is going to be holding the microphone and doing the preaching or leading the service or doing the teaching. But what is going to take place in the minds and the hearts of people is to let the light of the glory of God shine. Amen. We are wanting to be intentional in what we do. And we do want to have order in what we do. But I will tell you that the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, is not scared of you because of your name. He's not scared of you because of your talent. He's not scared of you because of whatever gifts you may have. He just don't want the light of the glory of God to shine. Because if the light of God shines in the heart of man, people will see their lostness. And God can shine his light in a corporate service like this or God can shine his light in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, in your home. Hallelujah. God can let his light shine. That's why the enemy is doing everything that he can to cover the light. He's the covering cherub and he's trying to get men to cover up sins. But the Bible says in Proverbs, Solomon said in 28, 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And so how can we get the mercy of God today? It's not jumping up and down like the prophets of Baal. It's not cutting ourselves and tearing up an altar like the prophets of Baal. We don't have to jump through this hoop or jump 
through that hoop. I just need to confess my sin and I need to forsake my sin. And when I do, it opens the door for the light of the gospel to shine in my life. Satan is trying to blind people today. He's the covering cherub. And he doesn't want us to see the power of Jesus Christ because he has tens of thousands of people convinced that they've gone too far. They've done too much. It's been so long. But I will tell you today that God's grace is just as recent and it is just as close as your outstretched hand. It is just as close as your lifted voice to say, here am I, Lord. I need you in this hour. Because the enemy doesn't want us being to see Jesus for who he is and what he can do. So he's doing all he can to cover up the revelation of Jesus. But I want to talk today about a God that's made known. A God that you can't put in a corner. A God you can't throw a blanket over. A God you can't conceal. A God you can't cover up. Unfortunately, there are many, many people today that just see Jesus Christ as the second person in the Godhead. But there's so much more to the story. Colossians 2 and 9 said, For in him, talking about Jesus, dwelleth all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, because Jesus Christ is the one true God. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Isaiah 42 and 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory I will not give to another. Isaiah 43 and 11 said, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. 1 Timothy 2 and 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. Amen. Then he said, Who it is? The man Jesus Christ, or the man Christ Jesus. John 10 and 30 says, I and my Father are one. In, in John 14 and 9, Jesus asked, Ask Philip a profound question. Amen. He asked a question and then he made a profound statement, I should say. He said, have I been so long with you that you have not known me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Philip was saying, just show us. Philip was just saying, uncover it. Philip was saying, just unlock the box. He said, let me tell you, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. But you know what? Satan doesn't want that truth to be preached. He don't want you to hear that. He don't want you to share that because he knows the power of light and the power of truth. John 8 and 32, the Bible says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so if Satan can cover up the truth of Jesus Christ, then consequently mankind can be lost. But down through the ages, he has tried. He has tried everything within his power to cover up the truth of Christ. But he woefully underestimated the power of truth because I just want to tell you today, Jesus Christ cannot be hidden. <laughs> no, he cannot. He cannot be hidden. Colossians 1 and verses 26 and 7, the Bible says even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The answer today is not going to be found at the bottom of a glass. The answer is not going to be found in a pill bottle. It's not going to be found in a needle. It's not going to be found in illicit affairs. It's not going to be found in any sinful activity. 
captivity in the world. Amen. But it, our hope this morning is Christ in me. That is my hope. Do I deserve it? No. Amen. But he went to the cross and he paid the ultimate price so that you and I can be saved. And so with that said, I will tell you, you can do everything within your power. But I'm talking about a God that is made known. A God that will reveal himself. A God that will make bare his arm. He is going to reveal himself. It would be the good pleasure of Satan to try to hide the truth of God's word. But I'm thankful to be serving a God that can't be hidden. I'm thankful to be connected to a church that is determined we're going to share everything that we can with everyone that we can at every opportunity we have. I want to say it again. I'm thankful to be connected to a church that is determined to share everything we can with whoever we can at every opportunity we're given. I want my light to shine not just when I'm at church, not when I got on my Sunday suit. I want my light to shine when I'm on the job. I want my light to shine when things are going wrong. I want my light to shine when it seems like all the world is coming against me. I want the light to shine because there is nothing about Jesus that can be hidden. Well, it just seems so primitive and it seems so unorthodox. It seems so out of character that Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, those that have prophesied about him and those that were in all truthfulness looking for his return, he came in such a way that so many could not discover him. They were looking for him because they had pictured how this is going to take place. But they misunderstood the fact that he was going to be born to a virgin. They misunderstood the fact that he was going to be born in, in, a, in, in, a, in just a stable, if you please, and laid in a manger. But it couldn't be hidden. He was, maybe, maybe there wasn't a lot of people that were around at that moment that really understood the magnitude of what was going on. Mary, heavy with child, labor pains, plunging. Amen. It was going to happen tonight is the night. And it just seemed like they're tucked away because there was no room in the inn. They're tucked away in a corner. They're tucked away in the cloak of night. No one is ever going to see this. But there was a star over Bethlehem in the night. And there were some shepherds in that shepherd's field and they began to see what was in that sky. And they knew this is the announcement of a Savior being born because I'm talking about a God that cannot be hid. Hallelujah. Whenever Jesus came of age, amen, when his days were fulfilled, as the scripture talks about, Mary brought him to the temple to present him to the Lord, which was in order of the law of Moses. And in the temple, in that temple, well, we're just going. It seems like an ordinary day, not a special calendar day in the year altogether outside of them and this family, or so it would seem. And so they came to the temple. But when they got to the temple, there was a man named, a man, a holy man there by the name of Simeon. And it's interesting. It's very interesting because this holy man named Simeon had prayed. Amen. The Holy Ghost had revealed to him, amen, that he would not see death until he had seen Jesus Christ. Amen. This is in your Bible. Amen. I'm not in some special chapter that's in my Bible. I'm preaching out of your Bible today. Amen. The Holy Ghost said, Simeon, you're not going to see death until you see the Lord's Christ. And I want you to listen to the summary of Luke chapter 2 and verses 27 through 32. When Joseph 
Joseph and Mary brought this young Jesus into the temple. The Bible says that Simeon took him up in his arms and he blessed God. And Simeon said, "No, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy work because mine eyes have seen thy salvation. It was just an ordinary day for thousands of maybe hundreds of people that day. It was just an ordinary day for those that were coming to the temple. But the Lord said, I'm not going to be hidden. This is not going to happen under the cloak of just an ordinary day. This is not going to find itself in the fold of routine. And Simeon recognized when he walked in the in the temple and he said, Lord, you can take me home now. I can depart in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. And Simeon then called Jesus Christ just a child. He just called this child. He said, this is a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. And I believe this morning, amen, that's what we should still declare. Amen, it's the powerful lyric of a children's song. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Amen, a verse that says, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Simeon said, Lord, I'm waiting on him. Simeon said, Lord, you promised me that I would not leave this world until I see him. And he just walked into the temple. And so you can let me depart in peace now because we're talking about a God that cannot be hidden. When Jesus was baptized, he was baptized by John the Baptist who had baptized many people. John the Baptist wasn't stepping outside of himself to baptize somebody. John was doing what John does. I don't believe an eyebrow was raised when John started walking down toward the edge of that river. Amen. Converts following him. People had watched John do this many times. But there was just something different about this time. Because John had been preaching about one that would come after him whose shoes he said I'm not even worthy to tie or to unloose. And then on that day when Jesus came to be baptized, when Jesus come walking over the crest of that hill, John said behold, amen, turn aside and see, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And when Jesus was baptized by John, it wasn't just John that confirmed, amen, behold the Lamb of God but heaven opened up and a dove came down. Amen. The spirit of God in the form of a dove. And then there was a voice. And so here we have John confirming. Amen. Behold. Amen. Here is the man that's coming to take the sin of the world. Praise God. And the heaven opened and in the form of a dove, the spirit of the Lord descended down on Jesus. But that wasn't all. Then a voice, a voice from heaven. Amen. Said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because you can't hide the Lord you can't hide God Amen. he won't be hidden in the manger he won't be hidden among the stuff in the stable he won't be hidden oh my he won't be hidden among all those that are coming to the temple when their hour had come he won't be hidden at his baptism and he will not be hidden today praise God crucifixion of Christ was a cruel day and a cruel event but it wasn't an extraordinary event because many people were crucified amen it was an act of the ultimate punishment 
They didn't run and make these crosses for this special day. This was part of the Roman rule. And so even at his crucifixion, though the world denied him as Lord, all creation would not deny. And the son said, not today. I won't be shining today. And the moon said, I won't be giving any light today. And the earth trembled. The earth was weeping under the decision of mankind. And the mountains and the rocks were shaken because he would not be denied. I'm talking about a God that wouldn't be hidden. You can deny him. You can put a crown of mockery of thorns on his head. You can write a plaque over the top of that cross that says he is or he says he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But the earth, the earth, those inanimate things, hallelujah, those things without feeling, those things without emotion, those things without structure but hear me they were created it was the end result of his voice amen and so the son had enough sense to say I gotta declare I'm gonna stay dark today because I'm gonna declare this is God amen the moon said I won't be able to give any reflection because this is God the earth said I can't go along with this because he is God the rocks and the mountains said this is so wrong he is God I'm talking about a God that will be made known yes he is hallelujah when he was lifted up and he, and he was lifted up between heaven and earth all of heaven and earth cried out because he's a God that cannot be hid praise God even at his burial they took his body from that cross and they wrapped him as they ordinarily would and they placed him in that borrowed tomb and they set a great stone before the door and Roman soldiers were determined that we're going to make sure nobody comes in and steals this out and they sealed the door when it was, but when it was time as Jonah was in the belly of that well three days and three nights so shall the son of man when it was time when the fulfillment of time came he came forth and God was made known even at his burial. Death, hell, and the grave could not hide him. I'll ask our musicians to come. I want to give you something to consider this morning as we are coming to a close here today. In the book of Mark chapter 7, after, after his message to the scribes and the Pharisees, the Bible says that he went from them down to the borders of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered into a certain house because Jesus had been teaching and Jesus was a man. He was flesh and blood. In all points tempted, he was a man that in flesh needed rest just like you and I. And so he entered into a house to get away from the multitude. Because he was just flesh. But the Bible says, but he could not be hid. Mark 7. But he could not be hid. And I think this is something that everyone deserves to know about the Lord. And that is this. He cannot be hid from those who seek him. Amen.
perhaps many of us here would may date myself in saying this, but maybe there's some here that can remember playing hide and seek. And, you know, if you were with the right group, there's some pretty good hiders in the bunch. <laughs> they go to great lengths, you know. Some of the more passive and lazy just go around behind a tree or something, but you always got that one in the crowd, you know. And willing to get a taxi. <laughs> but we also have, as adults, have played hide and seek with children. And we make ourselves known, don't we? We just leave a little something sticking out. Just a little something revealed. Before anxiety can well up in their heart. Because we want them to find us. And that's how God feels this morning. Oh, the enemy would love to convince people this can't. It's just too broken. But if you'll look, there's going to be some revelation of the Lord. Some part of his mercy or grace. Jeremiah 29 and 13, the Lord said, And ye shall seek me and find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart. Amen. That's all he's looking for is all of our heart. All of our passion. All of our interest. Amen. And so when our soul gets weary and our heart gets heavy. And we begin to seek the Lord. He made this powerful promise. You will find him when you seek for him with all of your heart. I will ask you to stand. Many of us in this building and those joining us online have faced a time when they thought they couldn't go another mile and then we sought the Lord. Amen. And he found us. Acts 17, 27 says that they should seek the Lord if happily they may feel after him and find him, hear me, though he be not far from every one of us. In all reality, Jesus is as close as the whisper of his name. Amen. Amen. Some of you have heard my wife say this before. Um, it's, it's kind of a something been going on, I guess, for several years. But when I'm in a crowd, um, she'll call me what most of you call me. Most of you call me pastor or brother Boyd or something of that nature. And, and so if I'm in a crowd and she's in the crowd after church, she's trying to get my attention. I get lost in the sea of that sometimes. And she just says, husband. <laughs> she trained me and I didn't even know it. I was <laughs> some subliminal message. She's even said to people, watch this. That's kind of cruel. Am I telling the truth? <laughs> I'm telling the truth. Yeah. So they'll, they'll see me pass by after many brother boys and many pastors. And, and then she'll say husband and like a train seal. I stop. Amen. I'm not sure why. But really and truly, that's who I am. I am her husband. So I am Brother Boyd or I am pastor to a lot of people. But I'm only husband to one. 
Amen. And so I thank the Lord today that you may feel that you're lost in a sea of masses of people. And what could God love about you or want about you? But if you'll just call him Father, because that's who he really is. Our Father, which art in heaven. Hallelujah. Our Father, which art in heaven. Amen. I'm here today to tell you he's not hiding from you. God, God's not saying, well, you just went too far. That sin, that was just over the line. He's not hiding from you, no. His grace and mercy with outstretched arms. I feel that mercy in this house today. Amen. He won't leave you as he finds you. He wants you to come to him just as you are. Amen. You don't have to get God. You don't have to get good to get God. You need God to get good. Amen. You don't have to get all this fixed and all that fixed before you come to the Lord. He wants you to come today just as you are. But here's the good news. We may come to him just as we are, but he won't leave us just as we are. He will baptize us with his spirit. He'll anoint us with his power. He'll put a song in our heart that cannot be quieted. Oh, hallelujah. And if you need him, if you need him, amen. I will tell you this morning, if you feel like responding, amen, I'm asking everybody, if you feel like responding, come to this front. Amen, I want you to listen while you're coming to the four I wills, the four I wills of Jeremiah 14. He said, I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all nations and all places whither I have driven you. And then the last I will, he said, I will bring you again into a place which I cause you to be carried away captive. I will. That's what the Lord said. I will, I will, I will, I will. I will. This morning the question remains now, what are we going to do about it? Am I going to let all the brokenness of my life continue to write the next chapter? Am I going to let all the brokenness continue to write my future? Or am I going to say, here am I, Lord. I need your anointing. I need your power. Hallelujah. Let's magnify him in this house today, church. Let's ask God to touch us. Oh, we need you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.